Welcome to Ecofuturists, a podcast that looks at solutions being put in place today to enrich and support our livable futures. Understanding the state and potential of the world's forests. Hear from leading ecosystem scientist Jean-Francois Bastan on using satellites to find millions of hectares of unrecognised forest and modelling a zero-impact earth to find the best places to replant forest and achieve planetary healing. Jean-Francois Bastan, welcome to Ecofuturists. Thank you. Ah, oh, you're welcome. <laughs> so, uh, Jean-Francois, or can I call you JF? JF, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, okay. You're, you're so a scientist. It's a shortened version, is it? So JF, shortened version of Jean-Francois. <laughs> so <laughs> you're a, exactly. a scientist using satellite imagery to describe and monitor the Earth and the environment. What have been some of the major discoveries that you've made? Well, uh, like to in in that field like using remote sensing image we were able to like to work on trying to estimate uh, the state of the forest of the world yeah. and that has been maybe like uh, one of the first main results that i got is was it was trying to use like uh, new satellite data to try to better estimate uh, the state of the forest of the world and then uh, from that point we we moved a bit forward and we tried to using those technologies using those first results that we that we got from those new technologies, we tried also to estimate uh, what could be, like what could be the state of the forest of the world uh, if we managed to restore uh, the maximum amount of ecosystem that we could restore on the planet. So that was maybe like the two main results, I think, the two main discoveries uh, that I had in my career so yeah. far. Yeah. So, uh, so, so what is the state uh, of the world's forest? <laughs> what, what did you actually find? Well, the, the thing is that for the state of forest, it's I think it's quite funny because you have like several way to address that question, and you see like there is maybe two many two main ways to estimate the the state of global forest. Either you start from country reporting, which are like the official numbers uh, that are being provided about the forest states uh, of the world. You combine everything, and you you get an idea about the state of global forest. Either you do it through uh, remote sensing, satellite images, and you do it yourself based on a fully quantitative uh, assessment. And the thing is that uh, what is interesting is that why both approach tend sometimes to converge, um, like I think that more or less both approach leads uh, to an estimate of about a third of the lands of the planet are being covered by uh, forest. You still have a lot of disagreement uh, between the two. It, it might be related to uh, like satellite imagery, like when you do it, when you use that data, uh, the image that are being collected, the photography that are being taken from satellites, sometimes they do not have really a good like spatial resolution, so you cannot see like fine details, so you miss sometimes a lot of trees. It's especially the case in, in dry regions where you have open forests, mm. like in, in Australia or in, in, in Africa. Mm. So. This is part of you know the mismatch that you may, that you might have between the two, and sometimes also you like from satellites it's difficult to, to to differentiate between the cover and the use. Like the cover, it's the element that you see on the image, or if you you can see the trees, the the shrubs, uh, the ground, and the use. It's actually what humans are doing with it. So sometimes yeah. you might have 
not a lot of trees, but still it's a forest. It's just a forest under the process of the cycle of the forest cycle. You know, sometimes you just remove some trees, but it's still a forest and it, it will still be a forest in the future. And that led to like huge discussions uh, between between scientists, between scientists and politicians about mm. the state of forest of the globe. Mm. So, um, sorry if I went a bit too far with that. No, no, it's uh, okay. It's, uh... <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, it, it's in that like framework that we tried to uh, to to, to like to bring a little stone to the debate and to try to improve uh, a bit uh, our estimates and this is where uh, we worked on uh, the the global photo interpretation of the planet so we use like the best satellite image that we could find like the highest resolution uh, the highest spatial resolution image that we could find so it's really like a satellite image taken where we, you can really like see the cars, see like small trees, and it's it's very 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 precise. And we use so those, down to uh, down in, to what kind of resolution? So down to one meter or thirty centimeters, or what kind of resolution are those? Yeah, it's uh, one pixel is maximum one meter by one yeah, meter. Okay. Yeah. So like you can have even like several pixels for a single tree. So it's it's really like uh, like very high resolution. It's it's a lot of data set to process. Yeah. And um, so what we did is that we, um, we worked with a lot of people. Uh, this was a work that I did back when I was working at the United Nations. So we had a lot of collaborators uh, on the fields, in the countries, and we worked with all of them and, and with you, if I remember well. <laughs> with, uh, it was with the turn in Australia. Yeah. Uh, we, uh, we photo-interpreted like more than 200,000 uh, little points, little plots to try to assess uh, the state of the forests in, uh, in drylands. Uh, because our hypothesis was that in drylands you have a lot of uh, isolated trees, isolated small patches of forest that are not well uh, intercepted by um, uh, usual uh, remote sensing approach. Hmm. So we, our hypothesis was that we were going to find like quite a lot of missed uh, vegetation resources over there. And the result was that uh, confirmed our, our hypothesis because we found that about uh, 500 million hectares of forest were actually missed uh, with the usual approaches. Yeah. So 500 million hectares, it's like the size of uh, the Amazonian forests in, in, uh, in Southern America. So it's, um, yeah, it's quite a lot. It's quite a lot of forest we missed <laughs> globally, I guess. And it's also, I think it's about two thirds of the land area of Australia. So, you know, it's a massive, it's a massive area. So, but it wasn't that you really discovered that forest. It's that no, that forest had been previously classified as woodland or shrubland or some other kind of vegetation. But based on the density, you would say, well, no, actually, that that's forest. <laughs> Yeah, you know, of course, uh, it's, it's, it was actually like the full story is that uh, uh, originally it was people uh, representative of the forest ministries of, of Africa that came to us in FAO and they told us like, okay, we are not happy with the global maps uh, which are providing information about the global state of forest because they are missing, they are not saying that we have forests, you know, a country while well, we have. And yeah. if they are not saying that, we cannot develop any kind of program to, to manage uh, those natural resources to protect them, to restore them. 
So if like we have no proof that they exist, like we cannot do that. So it started a bit with that. It's it's not, of course, like they knew yeah. that uh, there was a lot of resource there. So we did not discover anything in that sense. Yeah. It's just like we, we managed to develop like some kind of quantitative approach that was able to intercept those and to characterize those uh, resources. So have those results now been used by those countries to help conserve and classify and utilize those, those forest resources? Yeah, it's uh, still, I think, with uh, like a big involvement of uh, FAO, which is uh, so the Food and Agriculture Organization of the United Nations, yeah. uh, which is based in Rome, uh, which, which has a lot of programs uh, with, with Africa in particular. Uh, trying to support uh, for food production, but trying also like to to reach different sustainable development goals, uh, and and in that framework, they are helping a lot of countries to to conserve uh, and to restore ecosystems, and they are using the data that we have developed to do that. Like they they use that data notably to set up the framework for the Great Green Wall Initiative yeah. in Africa. So yeah. I guess that you might have heard about it. Uh, where they try basically to it's yeah, not like tell us a, a bit war. about it I yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's uh like the, it's it's a nice name like that you can easily remember but it's a yeah. bit like uh it does not tell the, the full story like it's not about like building just a line of of you know eucalypt trees or acacia trees uh between the sahara and uh and uh central africa it's really trying about uh like it, it's it's basically like an umbrella. Like if, okay, we are trying to restore uh, ecosystems, vegetated ecosystem in that regions of the world, and but we are basically welcoming any local initiatives, and we will uh, work hand in hand with uh, local communities in order to do something which is meaningful. In the sense that they are not trying to plant just trees like that, considering like the full scope, the full range of, of vegetation types that you might have uh, in the area. And they're trying also like to find ways to, to restore those depleted ecosystems so that those ecosystems are going also to provide a lot of services to local communities. Because like in those regions, you have a lot of people uh, working with, um, how do you call that? It's a foraging, uh, if I'm not wrong, uh, foraging animals. Uh, like cattle, yeah, uh, and um, grazing it's, and it's, foraging, yeah, yeah, grazing, yeah, sorry, yeah. Uh, grazing, uh, livestock, and uh, so they are, they need like vegetated resources and and maintaining like uh, a small level of uh, like shrubs and and trees uh, allow them like to, to provide it, it provides security uh, to, to provide food for those animals and then for them to, 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 to earn a bit of money from, from, from those, uh, livestock. Yeah. So this is one example, you know, of stuff that, uh, that we need to think about when we, when we restore those ecosystem over there is like to make sure that this is useful for local communities. Yeah. I think that th there is also <clears throat> in some places, uh, I have another example. I think it's in Burkina Faso. Uh, they're also trying to uh, connect with people producing, uh, honey. Uh, and trying to have like to, to restore species that are relevant uh, for local bees, uh, local bee species, so that they can produce uh, honey and, and earn also some money out of it, and also uh, get some 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 resources out of it. Great. So th these are like just a few examples, huh? mm. but uh, this is a bit the way this is uh, trying to to be done. I think that it's often it's often seen, you know, as like a big 
like UN international project where people from the north are going to the south and they, they try to plant like a massive amount of trees. But this is absolutely not the way it goes. It's uh, it's just like they, they try to to build like uh, like like I said, like an umbrella, trying to gather like local initiative and trying to support local initiative a, a, as much as they can. Yeah. So uh, and also one of the well, there seem to be two reasons for that. Then, or at least two reasons. The first one is. Obviously, with, with climate change, we are getting a southern movement of deserts. So you really need a barrier in place to basically prevent that desertification process. Yes. And so, as you say, it can't be a thin green line. It has to be a very solid, robust uh, line to, uh, yes. to prevent that desertification. But while you're planting those trees and that uh, revegetation, you might as well ensure that then it's going to be useful for the communities uh, uh, where that, that revegetation uh, occurs. So as you say, making sure there's resources for livestock, making sure there's there's other ecosystem services, presumably also carbon uh, as well is locked yep. up in these types of initiatives as well. And so this then provides incentives for communities to participate uh, in these types of projects. Exactly. Yeah. That's, okay. that's a that's a better summary than what I told you. <laughs> well, I'm glad I got it right. Uh, so, that's good. And so, um, so the, yeah, yeah. So you've measured the uh, the state of the world's forests, uh, and you discovered a massive area that had previously been classified as woodland moved into forest, and that allows then uh, the management and conservation of that. So there you go, job done, tick. Uh, that that one's delivered. So, what about uh, you were talking a bit about the potential area for forest as well so we know that uh you know over the last well probably five thousand years uh at least uh humans have had an incredible impact on the earth you know starting with uh, settlement and uh, domestication of plants and animals urbanization and then clearance and large-scale clearance you know potentially mostly over the last 200 years we're now at quite a rate of deforestation, removal of habitat. So what what about, how do we know what the Earth used to look like? Because we didn't have satellites, uh, you know, 200 years ago or 5,000 years ago. So what kind of tools do you uh, kind of look back in time and uh, kind of imagine what the Earth looked like? How, how do you know what the potential forest area is uh, of the Earth? Well, we, we don't know, uh, and it's difficult to know exactly, but we can try to, to estimate or to get a, an idea out of it. And uh, that's a bit um, like the way we, we decided to address this was to try to, to look at the link between the environment and what we can observe in terms of tree coverage, tree density, vegetation structure. Like, so we needed like to basically to build a model that was allowing us to predict what will what could be the natural state of the vegetation according mm. to only climate, uh, soil, uh, topographic uh, variables. So that's a way that where like even like without going back into time, like if you knew if you know the climate that you had at the time, uh, you can extrapolate like what will be like the 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 state of the planet with the minimum minimal impact of uh, the humans on, uh, on 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 forest and on vegetation in general so that's that's uh, the way we we decided to address this we needed basically to to build a model uh linking the two 
so that we can we can get an idea of this unrealistic planet, like basically a, a planet without humans, <laughs> uh, and uh, and and like tr- being able to build this imaginary planet give us a reference. That's a, that was a bit the motivation behind it. It's it's because like uh, we were seeing a lot of uh, international programs trying to to build targets of uh, reforestation. They were telling, okay, we are going to plant one billion tree, uh, yeah. hundred billion trees, whatever. Uh, and um, but we were like, okay, but can we can we do that? Can we reach that amount? Can we can we reach that extra cover? Like, is that even doable? Can the planet support that? Is like like physically mm. uh, so this this is why we decided to go into that direction mm. uh, and so so we did so we we basically built a model linking the two but we needed to to do that to to have like some um, some visual connections between the two we needed like to really to to go on the ground and to see okay so when we have that kind of ecosystem it's under that kind of climatic conditions and soil conditions yep. and we needed to observe those connections in a natural environment, because if it's already a case that is impacted by humans, then your model is basically not telling like the, the story that you want to tell. Yeah. So we needed to find like the most natural place on Earth to do so. So uh, the way we approach it on a methodological level is that we looked at uh, all the protected areas of the world. So you have big database existing, which are telling you in the world, uh, if you have a protected reserve, a natural reserve, uh, like you have different also level in terms of uh, protections in, in those natural reserves. And we decided to take a bit all of them to be a bit conservative in the sense that um, like some natural reserve where human impacted were a bit degraded, but we decided anyway to include them in our model in order to have a sufficient amount of observation to train the model. Uh, so we did that. And uh, what we did is that we used the technique that we used pre- previously to uh, to assess the, the state of forest in drylands uh, to characterize the tree cover, the, the ecosystem state. Hmm. And uh, so we managed to gather about uh, 70,000 observations with that. Uh, so 70,000 points where we were able to link uh, the two yep. in a very... Uh, uh, a huge range of different conditions. So we were going like to the Arctic, to the Sahara, going uh, going through tropical regions, temperate regions. So we were really well covering all the different biomes of the planet. So all conditions and, on uh, Earth, yeah. Yeah, all conditions, everything. Yeah. Like it, it, like the model was not about. Also, like this, this is an important point. The model that we built was not about trying to only find places where we had trees mm. in those biomes. The, the model, the, the idea was to find like what is just the expected state of vegetation in all the conditions. So if it's zero trees, it's zero trees. If it's zero grass, it's zero grasses. So it's uh, the model was not uh, optimized to maximize the number of trees. It was just done to try to assess what is the natural state of the ecosystem anywhere in the world. Yeah. So uh, we did that. And once we were able to build the model to using a machine learning approach, which is quite like a uh, state-of-the-art statistical approach to build a model nowadays. Uh, we managed to have a model that was allowing us to extrapolate beyond those protected areas what would be the expected state of vegetation if basically like the whole globe was a protected area. 
Yeah. So it's it's really like removing the the human factor from the equation. Yeah. And this is how we built this uh, potential tree cover picture uh, of the planet, which is our unrealistic reference uh, in terms of uh, <laughs> the the zero human cover. the zero human baseline. The, the what? Sorry. The zero human baseline. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> The, the zero footprint, uh, like we, we just crossed the footprint, the human footprint, uh, like limitation, like the, the, the I don't know how you, how, you, how you call that in English, but it's uh, yesterday it was the... Um, yeah, World the Overshoots planet, uh, World Overshoots Day, we yeah, call exactly, it here. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so it's, uh, yeah, zero foot, uh, human footprint index basically here. <laughs> so, and then, so with that reference, so this is basically like the best that we could achieve, but at least it gives us some something like it tell us, okay, uh, at this location on the globe, like we can, if we want to work on restoration, we can expect to restore about 10% of tree cover, 20, zero, a hundred. So this gives us a reference, like it allows us not to make mistake that maybe that, that we're done in the past. Like I, I, we have several examples of people trying to in Turkey, I think, or in, in other places where they try to plant like massive amount of trees when, like logically, like you don't have the the climate, the environmental conditions that that are sufficient to support those amount of trees. So yeah. this this map should already help to avoid those kind of mistakes in terms of uh, restoration strategy. It's not a perfect map, of course. It's it's coming from a model with a lot of limitations, but the the idea is to help already with that. And what we were willing to do in our analysis is also to try to provide like a more realistic view in terms of what can be done in terms of restoration. So trying to include the human factor in that unrealistic uh, view of the planet. Uh, so we, we basically took the, the, the image that we built with like the, the, max, the, the optimal state of the vegetation uh, around the world. And we looked at places, like we removed places where we have already forests, we removed places where we, are, where we have croplands, uh, where we produce food and we remove places where uh, we have cities uh, villages and and so on to see like if we remove all of that what can what can be done like uh, in those regions where which probably have the most uh, potential to work on restoration mm. and this is how we came uh, we came up with uh, that number of uh, 900 million hectares yeah uh, of land that uh, are not covered by trees today, but that could be covered by trees uh, realistically. Potentially. It's also like yeah. potentially, yeah. It's yeah. Uh, it's also important here for me to to highlight that it's not like 900 million hectares of land that full that should be fully covered by trees, like of like uh, monocultures of uh, eucalypt or just dense forest it's it's just like when you put like all the pixels where we have find a little bit of potential together this is what you find so in some places for example in 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 dry region or some arid region like i think that the the average increase of potential tree cover that we have is about plus eight percent of tree cover so it's a very low uh percentage and of course when you go in the tropical regions it's like uh, in some places we can have plus hundred percent of tree cover. Yeah, yeah. So it's really important to understand that uh, it's this number is not about like putting like forest everywhere. Yeah. It's just um, it's just using the tree cover as an indicator of like uh, restoring the ecosystem. 
Good. So John so Francois. So it's just a few. Yeah. So I'm sure I'm sure there was lots of discussion about this in the scientific <laughs> literature. Uh, I'm sure uh, uh, your scientific uh, uh, methods were uh, were intensely discussed. Uh, the scientific yeah. me- method, but you know, and that's science, and uh, we we have those exchanges. But um, what would you? Uh, so you you talked earlier. You talked earlier about some of the global goals for. For restoration, in terms of you know a billion trees, two billion trees, what do yeah. you think is a realistic target to set for restoration? So, how many trees should we? So, if we, if we, I think some some of the other work you were involved with earlier on estimated the total number of trees on the planet as something like three point five trillion trees. Is that right? So, uh, current standing, yeah, three, yeah, three yeah. trillion trees. How many trees should we be planting? And also, how will that uh, help mitigate climate change and lock up carbon? Well, that, that, that's, that's a tough question. Uh, a tough question in the sense that it's, I have always difficulties to, to convert uh, like an area into a, a number of trees because, of course, you know very well that uh, in a natural ecosystem you have big trees, you have small trees. They they all play a role, uh, and it, they do not have the same um, result in terms of of carbon sequestration, for example. Yeah. Uh, so it's a bit it's 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 a number it's a figure that is a bit difficult to uh, to provide. If if we do it really like a bit quick and dirty, yeah. Uh, it's about an extra trillion tree. A so trillion trees. Like yeah, a, yeah. 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 It's it's about that. So so, if but this is like really like a quick and dirty conversion of the nine hundred million hectares that we have found into number of trees. I, I, it's it's really like we need to be very careful with that number. So but if we do it, <laughs> uh, it's about one trillion trees. So it's about a third of what of what we have for the moment. Yeah. So in terms of carbon. Uh, that that is maybe uh, the the point that was the most discussed in our paper. It's uh, the conversion uh, of the 900 million hectares of um, of area that could be covered by trees through restoration in carbon numbers, uh, because uh, it depends how you look at it. It depends if you look at it uh, at the tree level, so read the amount of carbon that you have within the tree, or if you look at it at the ecosystem level, if you restore like a forest, you don't have only carbon in the tree. You have also carbon on in the litter, in the soil, in the roots. So you have different pools of carbon that needs to be considered. And also, it's um, we use the tree as uh, uh, a flag, uh, as, uh, as an indicator of the ecosystem. But of course, in drylands, you will not restore a forest. You will restore, like, like you said, woodlands, woodlands. or yeah, yeah. savanna woodlands. And uh, most of the carbon there is in the soil and uh, in the grasses. So even if we restore like maybe a few percentage of tree, that means that probably the ecosystem might be a bit restored, also including the grasses in the soil. So uh, it depends, like if you take that into account or not. So it's, uh, and, and that's part of the debate that we had is that a lot of people, I think, thought that we were only talking about trees while we were using trees as an indicator of the full ecosystem, yeah. whatever ecosystem we were considering. So yeah, we yeah. were not excluding at all savannas or, or others. No. So, uh, but yes, definitely, like if now if I take, uh, if I do the conversion and I consider the whole scientific debate that happened uh, after our publication I, and I take the lowest 
common denominator uh, among scientists. Uh, this can store uh, at least uh, 50 gigatons uh, of carbon. Okay. So to give you an order of magnitude, I think that we have today about uh, 900 uh, gigatons of carbon in the atmosphere. Yeah. Uh, in forests, uh, for the moment, global forests is estimated to have about 400 uh, gigatons of carbon. Yeah. So it's it's uh, it's less than a third of what we have for the moment because it should be considered that when you restore, when when you increase the carbon that you have in uh, in the biosphere, uh, you have some equilibrium that you have between the biosphere, the atmosphere, and the oceans that, that are happening. So you have some release happening from the ocean. So this is why like the total amount that you can store is a bit lower than that, that one third uh, that we talked about before. Hmm. I don't know if that was clear enough. Um, but yeah, so the, the key message here is that the, the lowest common denominator of what we can do True restoration is to store uh, 50 gigatons of carbon. That's the minimum minimum. In our paper, we talk about a number of 200 gigatons of carbon that I'm still defending, but it depends uh, how you look at it. Yeah. Okay. But it's still, you know, uh, uh, still from the work, I realize you, you did have some scientific discussion around that, but still from the work, the significant opportunity to establish significant numbers of trees and there's areas which are currently degraded or have been cleared uh, where uh, forest restoration would be uh, a, a plausible uh, target. And uh, by doing that, there would be significant amounts of carbon that would be locked up by that process. So, uh, yeah, exactly. you know, there's, uh, uh, yeah, th 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 these are good things to potentially, uh, potentially aim for. Yeah, if, if I can add up on that, it's uh, I think there was also uh, a lot of debate about people telling, OK, uh, like we need to stop to, 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 to we need first to stop emissions before, you know, planting trees to to, to solve climate change uh, sort of. But the thing is that the two are absolutely necessary. Like yeah. you need on one hand to stop yeah. emissions and, and on the other hand to cap to, to capture the excess. You know, of we CO2 need to do both. Is, we uh, need to do both. So, yeah, that, that was my yeah, feeling exactly. as well. Exactly. I think yeah. this work got caught up in this political debate and moved away from yeah. the science. Anyway, we'll, we can move off that uh, <laughs> a little bit. So uh, that's, that's that's good. We're, we're almost out of time, actually, uh, Jean-Francois. You've gone through uh, <laughs> the uh, the stuff in quite a bit of detail, um, which which has been really interesting. It's been really interesting to unpick this and uh i think you've just started you've uh, been appointed associate professor at uh, uh university in in belgium so you're at the start of your uh what will be an eminent scientific career i'm sure so um Thank you. so let's uh you know uh, go forward 20 or 30 years uh and when all is said <laughs> and done and that you're at the end of your career uh what <laughs> what do you think what do you think would be the innovative project that you will be remembered for, whether it's a project that you've started now or whether you've got a big project in mind that you'd really like to do. What will it be that mankind will remember you for? Yeah, that's a big question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I think that it's... Uh... For the moment, still, I think that we have opened we have opened the door with that uh, restoration uh, paper, and I think that we we might have opened more questions 
than yeah. um, than anything else, you know. So I think that there is a lot of questions that that remains to be asked. And and what I would like to do now is is to like really develop the whole uh, science about restoration, which is. Uh, there is a lot of scientists working on restoration of ecosystems since maybe like 20, 30 years. So I'm, I'm not saying that nothing has been done and like really far from it, like a lot uh, has been done. But still, I think that a bit like with, with forestry, like a lot has been done, but really like on, on targeted ecosystem, on, on, on targeted uh, species, on, on very targeted locations. And I think that we, we, we like a bit of a, of a holistic approach. Uh, which is trying like to, to bring all that knowledge uh, together to, to push it forward and, and, and to make it happen. So I think that uh, most of the work that I will be doing in the next 20 years is going to be about that, trying to, to develop also the whole conceptual approach uh, to, to favor the restoration of ecosystem around the, uh, around the globe. Yeah. So that's um, like, if, if you want me to tell a bit more about that, it, it's uh, like one point, you know, is that on, on each location of the globe, basically, you need, when you want to restore the ecosystem, like you need to account for the past, like what was the past ecosystem, uh, what kind of species did you have, what was the past human activities over there. You need to account for the present in terms of climate conditions, in terms of restoration capacity, what you have within your hands. And you need to take into account the future, like what, what will be, like how climate will affect that specific location. Because you might have two locations in the same conditions for the moment, but in the future they might be different. And also, like the human demography will be different as well. So, like, it's really a thing that trying to to build a whole set of scenarios, like, in, which which are considering the past, the present, the future, for any location of the globe, which allows any end user to go on a specific location and to have that scenario and to to try to stick to that scenario, to uh, to help them restore the ecosystem. That will be, I think, uh, one of the best outcome that I can, that I could think of for for the next 20 years if i can do that yeah i would be happy <laughs> and let's call it the jf framework so jean francois <laughs> thank you very much for being on uh, eco futurist it's been a fascinating discussion thank you thank you for inviting me take care you too eco futurists a podcast talking about pressing global sustainability issues and their solutions